Hello, and uh, welcome to our first bonus episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me today is Staff Sergeant Flynn Richardson of the United States Army. Uh, she has been in the Army about 12 years. It'll be 10 this month. Not even close. Um, <laughs> we've known each other now for almost 10 years. Uh, met during our deployment to Afghanistan, uh, which you can actually read in my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, she's mentioned briefly. Um, and today we are going to talk about something in uh, history I feel like is uh, massively overlooked, and that is the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> um, I felt like it'd be kind of cool. Uh, we use our normal episodes to talk about things that are awful and dark and violent in human history, and uh, we can kind of use this one to have a good time. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever let on to it before in a normal episode, but I'm kind of a huge Harry Potter nerd. Um, I know. How many times have you read the book? It the de- books. It honestly depends on which book you're talking about. I know for a fact that the first five, I've probably read about three times each. Um, the last two, probably five or six times each. I think I've read the books all at l- probably only one time because I normally don't read books more than once, but I've watched the movies probably a dozen times a piece. Between um, reading and listening, I've also listened to all of the audiobooks. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I thought, so I know the books originally came out when I think it was in middle school. Um, that's why the, I joke on Twitter a lot, and I know I've made the joke to you that I'm a Hufflepuff, and everybody's <laughs> like, that's fucking stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, because uh, my middle school class, I think it was, I'm hoping it was the first one, otherwise my teacher hated us. Um, <laughs> and they would divide the class into the houses. Um, okay. So I would imagine everybody listening to this has at least a rough understanding of Harry Potter or you've skipped the episodes. So, I would hope so. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to dive super deep into what all this means, but, uh, you know, we were all divided into the households and I got, and you know, it's completely random. They just pulled the, the names out of the hat and I got picked into Hufflepuff and in the preceding damn near 20 years of my life, I have, claimed the house of Hufflepuff. <laughs> so we were never divided into houses, but I started reading the books when I was 11 on a road trip with my grandparents. Um, we stopped in North Carolina with some of their friends and um, they, knowing that my grandparents were bringing two young kids with them, um, bought a bunch of books and coloring books and crossword puzzles and stuff for us to keep entertained and ended up buying the second Harry Potter book, The uh, Chamber of Secrets. So I read that on the way to Pennsylvania from North Carolina and then realized uh, probably a few months after that, that it was actually the second in a series. And um, then my, my granddaddy ended up buying me the first one and then everyone after that. Um, and I pretty much became obsessed. I ended I, I entered a drawing contest in eighth grade which was right when the movies were coming out and actually won a newspaper drawing contest to uh, – get six tickets to see the first movie. So. And that was like when they had like lines and stuff for, right? Um, oh yeah. They, we at borders every, every year when the book came out at midnight, my granddaddy would take me to borders to he, he would pre-order a copy and take me to go pick it up. Oh man. Were you one of the people that got uh, the, the, which book was it? Not the last one, second to last one. 
when the guy was driving, people were driving by the lines outside the bookstores and screaming like Snape kills Dumbledore. (laughs) That definitely did not happen (laughs) for me, but I can see it happening. I was already in the army, so I just kind of ordered it off Amazon, but like I I saw it all over the internet. (laughs) I can imagine if I was like 10 or whatever, I would fucking devastate me. Oh, at 16, I would have been upset. (laughs) Yeah, I was... I was at least 17. I would have cried. Um, (laughs) uh, So uh, like every episode that we do, we have to uh, first acknowledge our sources on uh, this historical event. Um, And you are much more studied in this than I am. And you actually just read the chapter before we (laughs) came into the studio. And and thank you for being the first in-person interview that we've ever had. Not that we've had many interviews. We've only ever had one other one, but. Uh, you know, you're in the house. That's cool. Um, so why don't you tell a little bit uh, about the sources for this battle? So obviously the main source is the seventh Harry Potter book or the Deathly Hallows. Um, surprisingly, this entire battle takes place in the last like two main chapters of the maybe three main yeah. chapters of the book, because there is the chapter called the actual Battle of Hogwarts. And then you have all of the, like, after that chapter is complete, which there's not really a ton of real battling during that chapter. Um, But after that chapter is complete, you have all of the source material with um, Harry finding Snape and getting the memories from Snape where he finds out that Snape was in love with his mother. And um, there's a lot, there's basically a lot of, like, story where Harry actually goes to the forest and gives himself up to Voldemort and comes out. And then the real battle begins. And that's, like, the last main chapter of the book. So, right. Um, well, before we get into the part where he pulls the Jesus and comes back, um, <laughs> we have to talk a little bit about the background. And, you know, we we watched them. We've watched the movies quite a few times. Oh, yeah, definitely. And in the movies, uh, I think the Battle of Hogwarts is rightfully kind of given the um, the Battle of Helm's Deep treatment. I'm more of a Lord of the Rings nerd than a Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> so like in the Battle of Helm's Deep is, of course, the uh, the center part of the second Lord of the Rings movie but it's only like two or three chapters long in the book. And uh, I mean, admittedly, I feel like Peter Jackson went the right way with that one. Cause it was awesome. But uh, the movie makes this, you know, it, it's all the movie is about effectively. Um, so uh, the battle of Hogwarts for people who may have read the book, watched the movies, but aren't super nerdy and into the mythos of the whole thing is actually the third and final conflict of the second wizarding war. Um, the second Wizarding War is uh, when Voldemort, um, birth name Tom Riddle, spoiler alert, because this whole <laughs> thing is a spoiler alert, um, effectively took over the Ministry of Magic uh, with magical Nazis. <laughs> uh, they had courts in place where uh, they try to find wizards who are involved with uh, with mortals known as muggles in the book. And... Uh, and, and would punish them effectively for no. So basically what they were saying is like during a considerate portion of the final book, they were rounding up any, cause in, in the Harry Potter series, there are wizards who are born muggles. Um, or, squibs. No, 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 no. That's a completely different thing. Oh. <laughs> My bad. So <laughs> no, there are wizards who were born to muggle this families, is why I bring on the experts, but who, who had magic powers. So they would basically come, they would get their letter, even though their parents were completely non-magical, and they would go to Hogwarts. Um, and that's who you would consider to be a 
mudblood, which is a racial slur pretty much in the wizarding world. So, uh, so the mudbloods can be born of just mortals. Yeah, that's what that Hermione was. Her oh. both her parents were dentists or dental hygienists or something. I always knew they were harnessing some kind of secret power. <laughs> yeah, so at squibs squibs are born wizards, like they're born from wizarding but families, no but they have no powers. The, the janitor was a squib, right? Yeah, filch. filch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so the Muggles basically were rounded up in the last book under Voldemort's and um, Thickness's regime. They were rounded up and. They were trying to get them to, well, hand over their wands, first of all. And they were trying to get them to admit who they stole their powers from, basically saying that they couldn't have possibly been born magical if they weren't born to magical families. So you're saying they were possibly looking for a final solution to the muggle question. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's, I I don't know if that's something that uh, Rowling was looking for is that not that the obvious, uh, ethnocentric Nazi thing. Oh, I think she absolutely I, I mean, was. It's, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, but that's effectively um, Voldemort and his army of Death Eaters and their allies, who we will, uh, I guess, just further known as Voldemort's army, um, centered on Hogwarts, because obviously uh, at this point of the book and the movie, all of, oh, is it two of the Horcruxes have been destroyed? No, at, by the time they got to Hogwarts, all but two. So there's no, the diadem and the and well, the diadem and the snake were left, and he didn't know Harry was the. Yeah, final see, it kind of depends if you count Harry or not, because Harry was definitely a Horcrux, but right. nobody knew until right. like the very end. So. so they knew of two when they when they closed in and besieged Hogwarts. I, okay, I would say they knew of three because they had the cup, but they hadn't destroyed it yet. Okay, and then they still had to find the diadem and kill Nagini. Okay, uh, so they encircle Hogwarts, and in the movie, the encirclement of Hogwarts is pretty epic. Um, it looks like a solid army group of Death Eaters, uh, you know, like tens of thousands. Uh, they also have allies, um, which are uh, Finnear Greyback, which is the uh, werewolf. They have hundreds and hundreds of Death Eaters, and uh, Pious Thickness, who is the Minister of Magic, who is like a puppet. Um, because at this point, um, they completely control the Ministry of Magic, which it was, you know, wizard government. Uh, so they have their uh, Ministry of Magic collaborators with them. And the uh, the opposing force here is not too impressive. Uh, so uh, at the beginning, um, because his whole thing is preserving magical blood, uh, he announces into um, Hogwarts that they need to give up Harry Potter or they're all going to die, effectively. Um, so the exact warning that Voldemort gives is, quote, I know you've been par- preparing to fight. Your efforts are futile. You cannot fight me. I do not want to kill you. I have great respect for the teachers of Hogwarts. I do not want to spill magical blood. Give me Harry Potter and none shall be harmed. Give me Harry Potter and I shall leave the school untouched. Give me Harry Potter and you will be rewarded. You have until midnight. Um and at this point, like they had snuck into the school and met with Dumbledore's army, which I, I guess you could call a fucking child militia. <laughs> <laughs> a and, very well trained child militia. Well, I mean, 
Imagine the worst soldiers you've ever had all teaching one another soldier skills. I have the worst soldiers you've ever had, so I can imagine that perfectly. Um, and yeah, it was a child militia. Uh, I won't go Hitler youth because Dumbledore was at least mostly a, a good guy. Um, but it was a secret military order of the school. And uh, and there was, what, two, three dozen of them? Wasn't uh, that many. I would say I would say about two, three dozen, but that's not the, they're not the only ones who oh, yeah, stayed yeah. behind. I just haven't, yeah. I haven't got there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it was the the Dumbledore's army who said, hey, look, Harry's back. And that is when uh, Professor McGonagall effectively took charge of the school. Professor McGonagall, I'm assuming, went to uh, you know the British Military University of Sandhurst, like all good military <laughs> commanders in England. Um, she is an animagus. Is that how it's pronounced? More or less, yeah. And uh, the best professor in the school outside of Dumbledore. So I guess they're in charge of someone. Well, I don't know. Tong or was it? Um, uh, Remus was a was a teacher once. There, Remus was a teacher for one year, and he was a great teacher. But right. nobody can ever compare to McGonagall. Yeah, that's fair. After Dumbledore's dead, uh, McGonagall is probably the strongest wizard that that they have. And uh, McGonagall um, whips up all these charms that. Um, Hogwarts has in its walls and its giant gargoyles and its statues and its paintings and its suits of armor. Oh, even to the school desks. Yeah. It's uh, the magical version of drone strikes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, and she controls it all. And uh, that's actually probably one of my favorite parts other than when uh, Neville mercs like a thousand dudes at once. (laughs) (laughs) That only happened in the movie. That, that's canonical. That's the, and what we're talking about. That's part. Of, that's part of the story. Absolutely. I just. <laughs> I think it's really, really interesting that because I just read the chapter again. I I haven't read the book in a couple of years, so give give me forgive me a little bit. But I just think it's a little interesting that in the movie he literally kills like a thousand Death Eaters at once. Yeah, it's like a human wave. And in the book, it's not even a significant battle at first. Well, in. You know, tactically, well, we haven't got quite to that part yet because it requires the barrier to be broken. And um, so on, um, we'll call them the allies because general allies are considered the good guys. You know, Um, on the ally side, you have um, uh, the Order of the Phoenix, which you can consider something like a um, uh, like a Teutonic military order, but with wizards. Uh, But there's only like half a dozen at this point because they have quite a few of them been killed off. but they're the best wizards uh, that they have to offer. I would imagine. Um, you, ha- I would, I would say that they are significantly more well trained than most of the Death Eaters because a lot of the Death Eaters just either got out of Azkaban for right. however many years. And this seems pretty obvious. And or have just been hiding under rocks for the entire time that that Voldemort has been out of commission. So yeah, and that's and, and you know that's one of like the overall narratives. The entire thing is the the Death Eaters are kind of two faced assholes, and uh, none of them fight fairly. The only one that's even remotely powerful, straight up, is Voldemort. I mean, no. Weird. You mean war is dirty? Yeah, <laughs> they don't fight like gentlemen, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Bellatrix, even though she kills my favorite character in the entire series, uh, she doesn't do in one on one combat. Uh, she just kind of surprises him. Sirius? Yeah. Uh, Sirius has his back turned. She fires the killing curse at him, and when he turns the defendant, he's he's hit and he's killed. Oh, absolutely. Bellatrix is a bitch. Yeah, fuck her. And she killed a house elf. There, <laughs> I mean, I'm not not to be magically racist here, but they're hardly even like a 
sentient species. They're, I mean, there's a reason why why nobody ever takes them seriously. It seems to be a little magically racist. It's a mad, you know. That's a. I'm just saying that their blood's impure. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to stop you there. I think we're going in the wrong direction in this podcast. I'm just saying the camp would be very small. Um, no, and uh, they are the uh, the allied forces. And there's a um, uh, Dumbledore's brother, and there's a few R's who are the magical policemen who uh, manage to stay free of the of the ministry. It should be said that the that the house elf force was actually pretty significant. And if you hundreds can, of them, yeah, yeah, and if you can take anything from what um, Dobby was able to do in his last stand, pretty much at the Malfoys, they're they're pretty magical. Like, and if they were all freed elves and able to perform magic at their will, they'd be a pretty big force. They can use magic without wands. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Most magical creatures can. They're just, they're, they're restricted by laws and everything like that. But the house, house elves, if they're free, I mean, Dobby, Dobby did a lot of damage in the Malfoy house just from his non wand magic. So maybe that's why they are enslaved. Maybe the wizards were afraid of the house elf empire or something. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Uh, Because I mean, Dobby effectively one-on-one beats Lucius Malfoy, which isn't saying a whole lot because Lucius Malfoy is a, a huge twat. <laughs> but still, I mean, it's saying something. Um, but with uh, McGonagall's charms, they effectively create a giant um, uh, magical dome over the school. And once, once that's in place, the Death Eaters kind of buckle down and start firing indirect fire at the, uh, at the wizards within the school. And this is where I can be a little cl- critical of Hogwarts. They have no counter battery fire to uh, to shoot back. They know they're at war. They've accepted that they're at war because they didn't give up Harry Potter. And, uh, you know, actually, I forgot a part uh, before we get to the part where people start shooting at each other. Um, everybody. Uh, so when that announcement was made to give up Harry Potter, um, of course, the Slytherin house and a few, I think it's a few from the other houses as well is like, Fuck Harry Potter, let's give him up. <laughs> so uh, the school goes really, really fast from being like this bastion of liberty to uh, critting a child prison in the basement. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they, they evacuated them. They, they put them in the dungeon. They evac- that was McGonagall's exact words. No, they evacuated the majority of them. They Because they, the same way that Harry and Ron um, and Hermione were able to get in through Aberforth's um, little secret entrance through the... Uh, well, I know they didn't mean? evacuate the Slytherins because they just would have joined the ranks of the Death Eaters. They're no, the ones they put in the basement. They did. They evacuated. Not in the movie. Okay, in the book, in the book, they evacuated them. In the movie, they might have taken some liberties. I'm not saying the movie's wrong here. Um, <laughs> I feel like those little bastards should have been thrown in jail as well. But uh, <laughs> I mean, they were Hitler Youth for sure. I mean, they're not great, but they're also not criminals. So let's let's ease up. I mean, also, I feel like. I hate to say that the to use uh, they're asking for it as a <laughs> as a thing, but like Hogwarts knew this existed the whole time, and they're just like, "Well, it's a Slytherin house." <laughs> like, like, no, like some professors, like guys, they're just like literally the Hitler Youth are breathing uh, down the hallway. Just, just a touch more regulation in Slytherin might yeah. have been it might have been yeah. a good call. <laughs> you know, once a whole bunch of blonde kids start hanging out together. <laughs> And kicking out everybody else, you need to look at them sideways. Um, that that's beyond Hitler Youth. That's also Children of the Corn. 
One of my worst nightmares. Blonde kids. Ugh. Blonde kids are the worst. So uh, going back was uh, you know, the the dome is is over Hogwarts and and it's being hit by the uh, incoming spells. Never really says what spells they are of the Death Eaters. And uh, Hogwarts doesn't actually have any way to shoot back. I feel like that is a pretty big oversight on the defense of the Hogwarts thing. Well, their their counteraction was just to um, be pretty much strategizing while the Death Eaters were breaking down the barriers. They knew the barriers weren't going to hold. Their counteraction was to just be in place and ready for when they when that happened. And we don't know when these charms are put in place, so we can't really judge it like, you know, the Maginot line. Or anything, if I'm going to try to think of a really bad historical allegory here, because like we don't if it was if it was after the first Wizarding War and uh, then we can absolutely say that's a really big oversight because like you should probably find a way to shoot back. Uh, (laughs) um, So I feel like we should uh, distinguish this here and now because this is the Lions led by donkeys podcast. Would Voldemort be the donkey in the scenario? um, Well, so there's a few different ways that you could look at that. Um, from from the my deep scholarly research on this article, um, I found a, a few people who broke down the battle and like the commanders of that battle, which is kind of I would disagree with on some of them. Like it has a higher thickness, a pious thickness as a commander of the Death Eaters. He doesn't fight with them. He he does fight with them. He's just definitely not any in any sort of command position. He's definitely right. just a puppet to the Death Eaters. I would say that command and control of the forces in general at this play, amateur at best. Because um, in McGonagall's defense, she's mostly commanding children. That's fair, and she's also <laughs> not a military commander. She's you don't a know teacher. that. <laughs> you don't know that. Maybe she had a long, incredible career in the British forces before she retired to work at Hogwarts. That could be true, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's not. Yeah, it's probably not true. But uh, <laughs> So like, uh, it also has uh, Voldemort listed. It has Beltrix Lestrange listed. It has Fenrir Greyback listed. So we have to interject here that the majority of the Death Eater commanders are clinically insane. Yes. Um, Lucius Malfoy is also listed. Um, so Or cowards. Yeah, or yeah, and he fucking defected. Uh, but so if I was to list a real donkey here. I would assume it would have to be Voldemort because uh, the entire thing is. Um, but as we have said in other podcasts, pralines and Dick, he's got some good ideas, but also he does it really, really, really badly. Well, he just doesn't have a good grasp of what he's up against because no, of the whole theme of the book, which we'll get into, I suppose. He's got a fucking brain full of acid or something because um, it was it was his whole idea to split his soul into multiple parts. Of the Horcrux, and because he was some kind of luminary wizard, he should know how all this works. Um, but he doesn't have a good track record. I mean, this is his second wizarding war. He lost the first one to a toddler, um, and now he's about to besiege a was effectively magical high school and still lose, even though he has a uh, outnumbered uh, logistics are definitely better. Um, he has significantly more experienced forces at, at his disposal. Because if you take away the um, the uh, professors of Hogwarts, and you have to remember, some of them aren't exactly teaching things that apply here. Like some of them, someone's teaching herbology. You got magical you, history. Yeah, you have the magical. Hey, hey, you lay off history. <laughs> you have the magical history teacher who's fucking boss. Um, and you have a few other people who like the magical history teacher was a ghost, I believe. <laughs> that's on brand. That's oddly on brand. Um, 
you know, Minerva uh, McGonagall definitely fought during the first Wizarding War. Um, their defense against a dark art, arts teacher was a Death Eater, so he's not fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, and then they cut their their um, their numbers in half even more because uh, McGonagall orders all the underage students to run. So, and, and rightfully so, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, if you're against the wall, why not some child soldiers? They're all going to die anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it worked in Africa, so. Uh, it didn't. It didn't. It actually, you can listen to the multiple podcasts we've had about the wars in Africa that tell them that's all bad and that's a really bad joke. But um, so then, no kind of numbers are ever given for the like the class sizes. So we'll just spitball. I went to a really really big high school of, of like a thousand kids. Well, but you have to you have to realize that you're okay. So your high school was in the Metro Detroit area. Yeah. Um. This is the wizarding school for the entire European region. Well, this is like the UK because then there's Durmstrang and there's the one in France. Right. So we know of three, possibly four, if there's a wizarding school in America. I'm sure there is. Um, but the, I mean, otherwise this, there would have been a school this shooting. Is a, this is a regional school, so it's much much larger than your high school. Yeah, I'm gonna. So this is the the central wizarding school for England, Wales. Um, both Ireland, Scotland, stuff like that. Okay, so let's let's throw them a bone here. Two thousand, because I mean the wizarding population ex- isn't exactly very large. No, and then whatever number I'll say a quarter of that number is of age, uh, the senior class. That's fair. So you're dealing with like a battalion, maybe not even a quarter. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, uh, because this is also um, around the same time that. Um, the minister of magic uh, appointed headmaster headmistress was in charge. Um, can't remember her name right now. Flora Sunbridge. No. Well, she chased a lot of kids off. No. Okay. So we, you and I had this conversation before this. Um, you're, you're remembering things wrong. So Dolores Umbridge Your fake news. left Hogwarts after the fifth book and did not return. Well, then Snape, Snape was in charge. Snape was in charge. And yeah, uh, yeah, if for sure. A certain number of people took their kids out of school. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. But Dolores Umbridge had nothing to do with it. Well, I mean, she lost half the Weasley family. Just Fred and George. They're the good half. <laughs> but they were in the battle, so. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they came back. Well, they didn't go far. <laughs> they only went to Hogsmeade to open their little trick shop. Yeah. So they didn't exactly run away very far. But, no, um, they just didn't go to school anymore. So let's give them um, some benefit of the doubt and give them a whole battalion of people that are ready to fight, about 500. Let me fact check you right here before somebody else says they were in Diagon Alley, not in Hogsmeade. Were they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're they were, right. They were big time. Because Hogsmeade is just like the little vacation spot, huh? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it's just where like the school kids get to go on the weekends and, and stuff. And they have to get the little passes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. They have about 500 people, give or take. And that's with reinforcement from the couple dozen um, um, Order of the Phoenix and maybe a few hundred more than that when they're reinforced by house elves and the centaurs. Um, Though the centaurs aren't magical. They just have bows and arrows and shit. Oh, they're definitely. I'm sure they have some sort of. I mean, they have. It never shows them being magical. They have like astrology and stuff like that, which isn't exactly a fighting force, but they do have their bows and arrows. They are. They are a very militant force, and I think they're very organized. They seem when they uh, roll on Umbridge in the woods that one time Mm -hmm. and she choked that one guy out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
all these forces are arrayed and uh, they're under fire. And uh, Hogwarts has no real way to fire back. Uh, so they're sitting in there um, trying to come up with a strategy to defend themselves. And that is when they came up with the, the Neville suicide bomb method um, on the tunnel, which in the movie. <laughs> right. Um, and it's the flashier of the two. So I think I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> uh, but all this is because uh, he needs to kill Harry. Harry needs to kill him. And uh, so they're all going to destroy a school together. Um, <laughs> and that is when, uh, how exactly does the barrier finally break? So in the book, it's actually not really clear. They just kind of um, say, okay, we have to start strategizing and get this together before the barrier breaks because it's not going to hold long. In the movie, Neville goes out onto the bridge where all of the Death Eaters are literally standing at the barrier. Oh, they're um, the Snatchers. At the That's edge of this called. bridge. Well, the, snatcher, the Snatchers are just um, the people, like, they're not even necessarily Death Eaters. They're just, like, bounty they're, hunters trying they're to... They're like, thieves and shit. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that are stalking them in the woods. I'm sure they would fight with the Death Eaters, so there's probably quite a few of them they're there. They're probably paid for it. They're yeah. Like, they're shitty mercenaries who kind of suck at magic. And that's, all, that's all that is, is, is they're just people trying to make money and don't really have a uh, moral compass when it comes to that. So they're, they're just working for whoever's going to pay them. And that's the death eaters at this point. So, um, but they're, yeah. So Neville goes out onto the bridge in the movie and oh, uh, so all of the death eaters are standing at the edge of the magical barrier. Um, I double checked. You are correct. Slytherin was evacuated. Thank you. Um, which I disagree with anyway. <laughs> you can disagree all you want. I feel like it was a huge plot hole McGonagall's plan. All right, that's all I'm saying. All <laughs> well, I'm saying. I mean, she's a moral human being, so. I didn't say she had to hang them. <laughs> Jesus. But to trap them in the dungeon in the middle of a battle? Well, um, at this point, if you hide all, because, I mean, those are the Death Eaters kids. <laughs> if you put them in the fucking basement, oh, I would have put them at the front line. They wouldn't shoot at you. No, so that's actually that's actually a key line in the book. I can't remember who says it to Harry. Um, no, Aberforth, uh, Dumbledore's brother, says that. He says, you let all of the, all of the Slytherin kids go. Um, if you had held a couple of them hostage, they're the Death Eaters kids. You probably could have gotten somewhere. Yeah. And Harry says that's not what your brother would have done. No shit. His brother would have had some convoluted plot plan that required Harry to die two more times. Um, Harry had to die. That's just a fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's not Dumbledore's fault. <laughs> it's Dumbledore's fault for not telling him. Dumbledore's I, kind of an asshole. I'm not saying Dumbledore's flawless. I'm saying that he had his reasons for doing what he did. I'm just saying the real Dumbledore died at, in the the middle of the second and third movie when the uh, first actor died. And the other guy's a crisis actor. I feel like I can't really talk to you about this <laughs> if you're only going to reference the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it, um, and they met at the bridge and who are part, uh, Death Eaters part, uh, Snatcher's part. All the, de the Dementors hadn't shown up quite yet because it's another scene entirely. Um, it's just basically their main fighting force the, for the Death Eaters right. and against Neville, who's on the other side of this barrier. And he's just he just happens to be standing there. Um, I think he's trying to reinforce the barriers as the barrier breaks against so all of their powerful magic. So he's just standing there when the barrier comes up and, there, and there's a thousand Death Eaters right across from him, pretty much. And uh, Neville, who's the real hero of the story, uh, Stares down the, the <laughs> army group facing him and just says, yeah, 
and whose yeah. army? And like, <laughs> he said that to a whole army. <laughs> I mean, Neville's a badass. <laughs> Neville is a badass. And, uh, you know, even I feel like if Harry would have failed, Neville would have found a way. Like, <laughs> I, that was actually, that was part of Harry's plan. Harry made sure that Neville knew what had to be done before he left because he knew that Neville would carry it out. Yeah, because Neville doesn't fail. Neville didn't. He Neville gives up. <laughs> <laughs> Neville gonna give you up. <laughs> um, so uh, Neville leads them across the bridge, and in the movie, this is planned. In the book, it it might not be uh, as part of the, the, the giant trap. In the book, it doesn't happen at all. Oh, okay, so in the book, it doesn't happen. But in the in the movie, it's a giant plane trap because um, in the movie, there's only one bridge leading into Hogwarts. Um, which is a solid kill kill spot uh, choke point for our our, our young martyr, soon to be martyrs of of Hogwarts. And uh, Neville runs across the bridge. They all follow him, and uh, then the bridge blows up, and he kills like five hundred people. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it never says how uh, Neville's handling that these days. <laughs> uh, it never never goes to him, and uh, was it Saint Mungo's? <laughs> I'm sure he had some therapy, but he's a well-adjusted teacher. So, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't dive under his desk every time the kid actually knocks something on the floor. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing the snatcher's faces again, <laughs> and that is when um, they make their way into Hogwarts. The, the Hogwarts isn't breached; the barriers down. Even though the bridge is blown up, guess what? They're fucking magic. They can fly. Uh, they can apparate. And uh, they're in Hogwarts and the battle starts. You can't apparate into Hogwarts. Uh, well, everything else is broken. Why not? <laughs> um, so, okay. So I should add that in the book, um, what actually, what happens during this point is that Harry, Ron and Hermione go into the room of requirement to destroy the diadem. Um, because McGonagall says the whole point of this battle is for you to get the final pieces and destroy them so that you can destroy Voldemort. And um, so Harry, Ron and Hermione go into the, Room of Requirement, they find the diadem, they're battling with um, Malfoy and Crabbe and Goyle, and they start the... uh, So another complaint I have, that he does not kill Malfoy. Well, you know, good and evil. You know what? Sometimes shit's just gotta be done. Anyways. (laughs) The whole um, Malfoy family needs to be wiped from the earth. So when they go into the Room of Requirement, um, there's basically some, you know, some... Rocks are falling and the castle's starting to be attacked. Right. But when they come out, they basically says that the the battles deteriorated a lot since they since they went in. There's a lot that's gone on. There's not really a key starting point to the battle in the book. It just happens while they're in the room of requirement. Right. Uh, so outside of outside of the room of requirement, I can assume that the blown up bridge works as a uh, it's a really good. Uh, choke point and then they just float over the bridge because wizards don't need bridges and they, <laughs> they could just use a broom that you can buy from the fucking corner store um, and this is where one of my major complaints through the whole battle comes and this is more from the movies for sure because you can see it visually and in the book it's just kind of implied and that is um, so the Death Eaters which you know, like I said, magical Nazis or whatever, they're all using killing curses and the good guys don't, but they still kill them. It is a, it is a little bit murky. I'll, I'll definitely agree to that. And, uh, was it, we, 
What's what's the Weasley's mother's name? Molly. Molly. Molly definitely uses a killing curse against Bellatrix Bellatrix Lestrange. We'll see. Okay, so it's really it's really kind of hard to say because the only definite killing curse is Avada Kedavra, which is green. which is a uh, it does the colors don't matter. Well, she fires a green curse, center mass at Bellatrix Lestrange, and then she dies in the movie. Right. Um. But the so yeah. So like I said, the Avada Kedavra is the only like named killing curse in the Wizarding world, and it's an unforgivable curse. So the good guys aren't supposed to use it. Imagine it's waived in a situation like this. But pretty much all it says. I mean, I I'm guessing like a a finely aimed stunning curse or something like that would would do as much damage because it says that she aims a curse directly over Bellatrix's heart and Bellatrix falls and dies. Well, yeah, I mean, she got hit on the third floor of Hogwarts. So if she gets stupefied 20 feet down, she's dead as fuck. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> just, I think just some well-aimed destructive or stunning curses and are probably going to do as much damage, damage as a killing curse. That uh, Arthur Weasley and Kingsley Shacklebolt are both seen using unforgivable curses during the war. Harry uses unforgivable curses too. several times. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but at, at the same time, this can kind of be waived. Cause like the ministry of magic is controlled by magical Hitler. Hey, war is hell. And well, like in the ministry of the magic is, uh, is the one that controls who can, who can and can't use killing and unforgivable curses. So like, why would you stop yourself? Because they're still the good guys. And eventually a, guys use guns, <laughs> eventually a regular minister of Ma- ministry of magic is going to be resumed. That's, that's not wrong, but the future Ministry uh, Minister of Magic Kingsley Shacklebolt is in the battle killing people, <laughs> so it's like you know what time to throw down, um, and and then you know the bodies start piling up. Um, uh, the one of the Weasley twins is killed. Um, Lupin is killed. Tonks is killed. Um, uh, several unnamed students are killed. Uh, you just kind of see the camera pan over them in the movies, and everybody's like really depressed because they realize the shit they've they've been learning for several years like really kills people and. And uh, well, werewolves are running around disemboweling people. We should we should add in here that you know normal soldiers in a war they're trained to go to war. That's that's what they're. I mean, even if they're not necessarily always put into that scenario, right. they are trained in the scenario that they will eventually be fighting to kill or fighting against somebody trying to kill them. These are just students that were thrust into this. Well, the Wolverines in Red Dawn did okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> And you can tell this wasn't a school in like America because the the Death Eaters would have shown up to like Detroit Central High School or something, and like the four shitty depressed suburban kids who had guns in their locker <laughs> would have ended this immediately. Um, or all the ones that had knives on them. <laughs> yeah, like someone would just pin a Death Eater against the locker and stab him a couple of times. Like I think I told you the story of how the kid got stabbed with a sword in the bathroom like yeah. my first day there. <laughs> Like wizards didn't stand a fucking chance. Um, but this, you know, being uh, England, they have to kill each other with magic, which is equally cool, I guess. Um, so, you know, the, 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 uh, the bodies are piling up. It doesn't really show any kind of losses for the death eaters outside of um, the giant ambush there at the bridge. Uh, I can assume they're losing a certain amount of people here. I think the key here is that, the people in Hogwarts care about their losses and the death eaters don't No, And then that's pretty obvious, um, which I, I, we have to, like I said before, we have to pick uh, Voldemort as the, um, as the donkey, but also the pralines to the dick, because while he really sucked at this whole wizard war thing, he did take over the entire government. Well, 
like he's, he's, without breaking a sweat. He's just sort of, of the him. ultimate like wizarding sociopath here because, and this is why he's so like, and he drops his own followers like without even thinking oh, absolutely. about it. Like, this he, is, I think he picks up the elder one and is just like, oh, I'll just kill this guy over here. And every, yeah, whoever and everybody's cool. It really, it really doesn't matter who it is. He, he doesn't care about anybody. And he says that multiple times and that's why yeah. he's so underprepared for this battle. And you say, he he's battling against high school kids and well, everything else, but he's so underprepared for this battle because he literally is thinks that he's fighting against other people who have the same mentality as him and who don't care about what they're fighting for only to live and to have power. And that's just inaccurate, but that's the only thing he knows. So that's the only thing he sees, you know, and that's, and I know they make quite a, a few affectations in the book about uh you know he he lost because he had no love and that's why harry potter won is because his parents loved him um but like everybody was making him sound like some kind of like wizard weapon of mass destruction and uh he had like the worst organized force of anybody in the series of books like the centaurs were better the fucking sentient statues were better um Slytherin House stood up to Harry Potter better than these guys did. I think it's really easy to be a weapon when you don't care about what you're fighting against. You only care about winning, but that can only take you so far at the same time. Like you kind of have to have a, an ultimate goal and his only ultimate goal is to just live. And yeah, and that's part of like the trope of the death ears all suck because they're just snidely whiplash type evil characters where they're all sniveling little lower piece of shit and people. they're all disposable right and there's another thing is like the death eaters and um the 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 pure blood families are more than just like pure bloods because like the weasleys are pure bloods and they still hate them just because they're poor so <laughs> <laughs> uh you have to be a bougie pure blood <laughs> to be a member of the death blood blood the, the death eaters like you're, you're they not- hate them because they're blood traders because they they associate with mud bloods and well all that their stuff. dad's the head of the ministry of muggle affairs or yeah. whatever right which has to be the worst yeah. So even if even if they were pure, they were poor and pure bloods, like they would still, still be shit. welcomed into the no, they would still be welcomed into the ranks. But because they're they're muggle sympathizers, that's why they're hated. I don't know. I feel like that they're um, I don't know what like the oh, you're from the South. So you're going to hate me for making this joke. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know what like this shitty rural part of England is where this um, this tagline would work like just make wizarding great again or something, <laughs> but you know, like, uh, cause the people who are, who are, are broke as shit, like the, it doesn't show them. It shows people like Lucius Malfoy who has a fucking sheath for his wand and has more gel in his hair than, uh, like Ed, the rest of the cast combined <laughs> and has fucking elf slaves. Um, you don't see any of those. And like, and then the series and the black family is another, uh, the serious black family, not just like the black family. That sounds really <laughs> bad out of context. Uh, no, I mean, it is the black family. They, they span across a lot of the, sure, uh, sure. But yeah. like just saying that I know sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, even but, Tonks is, is uh, related to the black family. Right. But like, if, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the black family, they're pure bloods and they're absolutely death eaters for the most part outside of Sirius. Um, and they're rich as shit. They have mansions. Um, I'm reckless. Yeah. But newly reformed right before he died. Yeah, so you don't see any fucking poor Death Eaters. No, that's true. <laughs> this is like supply side fascism. 
I mean, there's got to be, though, because if they had that much manpower in their force, they I mean, it can't just be the main characters that we saw. There's got to be some background characters that we didn't know about or something. I feel like it depends. Well, uh, it, there has to be some. Uh, also, Pettigrew lived as a rat for like <laughs> 15 years. So. Yeah. And, you know, props to uh, to Ron's brothers for not pointing out on the Marauders map that there was a man sleeping with their <laughs> With their brother for years. And they're like, we love you too, man. Yeah. We accept you. So props to them and their progressiveness. Um, the Weasleys are a very progressive family. They are. They have to be because the uh, the purebloods don't like them. <laughs> uh, they, they have to find somebody that likes them. You know, and I think it depends on like if you're coming from the movie angle where they have thousands and thousands of allies. Well, think of it as like the Confederacy. It was all ruled by racist rich people. Well. It was also fucking the the line infantry wasn't full of dudes with stock portfolios. There's just dudes who believe in the dumb shit that their commanders did. So what I'm saying is they're like, they're the shitty magical confederacy of Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, the battle's going on inside the school. And uh, then there's a break. And uh, that is when they, ki- they destroy one of the Horcruxes, right? And that's when he challenges Harry to one-on-one combat. They actually destroy two of them um, right before the or right before slash during the battle. So um, and it should be known that this is known as the skirmish at the quad battlements. <laughs> Hermione and Ron go down to the chamber, and that's where they get the basilisk things, and they destroy the cup, which is um, Hufflepuff's cup, which was one of the um, Horcruxes that they found in Bellatrix's vault, and then they bring the basilisk basilisk things up with them while Harry goes into the room of requirement while they all go to the room of requirement Um, but they find the diadem and actually ends up getting destroyed by the fire the right fire or fury fire I can't remember exactly what it is um, the fury fire yeah that's what crab sets or is it goil they're both kind of interchangeable to me so they're they're planning on bringing it out and destroying it with the basilisk thing but they end up destroying it with with a fire and why does the Fury Fire able? Well, why can it destroy Horcruxes? Because it's a evil magical curse fire, uh, pretty much. Okay, it's evil. Evil fire is in yeah. comparison to the good fire. Even even if it hadn't been able to, he had the crown when they came right. out of it. Um, so they would have been able to destroy it regardless. It just happened to be one of the things that was able to destroy it. And you know, props to them because, like every other movie on Earth, cool guys don't look back at explosions. Well, and also, also in the movie, they do destroy it with the thing. Uh, I thought they destroyed the fire in the movie too. Um, so, oh, fiend fire. Fiend it's, fire. It's called fiend fire. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. It's fire with a Y because it's England. Um, <laughs> so, after the fire uh, consumes the entire room, um, Crab dies uh, because fuck him, and uh, Harry saves everybody else because he's just too goddamn good for his own for his own good. Um, and that is when. Um, uh, Fred and Percy uh, start dueling. Um, and that, I was wrong. Pious Thickness does show up here and starts fighting. Um, but he is actually under the Imperius curse from the Death Eaters, um, which is, uh, I think after the battle, you said that that's where like they all claim it. No, we weren't fighting at our own free will. We were all just brainwashed by the Imperius curse. Yeah, and that happened after the yeah. first battle too, which is why a lot of the Death Eaters were able to, once um, Voldemort went, missing after he um, tried to kill Harry Potter the first time. Um, a lot of the Death Eaters claimed to be under the Imperius curse right. and all of that stuff. And they were able to live normal lives 
after um, after Voldemort was gone, and they they basically did the same thing after the second Wizarding War that they were under the Imperius curse and had no mental faculties or whatever. Yeah, which is what I plan using like the next time that I'm arrested. <laughs> um, and there's around this time that Fred gets killed, uh, which sucks. That that one that one hurt. Yeah. I like you know I read this book fucking ten years ago, mm-hmm. over ten years ago, and uh, I was a little younger and more emotional. Now I'm dead inside. But um, they yeah. all still hurt me. Yeah. Uh, when Fred died, and, but then when uh, Remus and uh, and Tonks died, that fucking killed me because I love them. Um, and I don't think the movie did them justice, honestly. No, and well, and you didn't. I don't think. I don't think even in the book you knew it until Harry they, they was walking. Yeah, Harry's walking down the line of the dead in the Great Hall. Well, that's kind of how they showed all of them dying. Like Harry doesn't see Fred die. No, he does. Does he? Uh-huh. I thought I could have sworn you saw the body laying on the ground. No, um, yeah. he actually sees Fred die. And he so he sees Fred die, and then he he just sees the bodies of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is then I think that um, it kind of dies, like the battle dies down, and everybody's like, "Oh man, people are actually dying." And that is the uh, the break, right? Or is that? And then well, that's that, when Voldemort breaks in and says, "Okay, you guys have fought valiantly." Um, I will, I'll give you this time. Basically I'm retreating. Give, I'll give you this time to um, care for your wounded to. That's when he uh, finds out that he isn't the master of the elder one. And that's when he has to kill Snape. No, I think that it's during the break break that he does kill Snape. Right. That's what I mean is like, he's like, you can bury your dead, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's when he realizes that he can't use it. Yeah. Um, And then. And probably the second most devastating death after you figure out what he died for. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's worse when Alan Rickman died in real life. Fucking people. Um, I was literally yelling at a podcast that I was listening to the other day that was trying to remember the name of Severus Snape's actor. I was in my car yelling, Alan Rickman, it's fucking Alan Rickman. <laughs> So it is, uh, 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 Voldemort gives him one hour. It's a one hour armistice. Uh, he says, quote, you have one hour, dispose of your dead with dignity and treat your injured. Um, and Harry watched Snape die. And, uh, and that's when he hears Voldemort's magically amplified, uh, amplified voice, uh, speaking to everybody. Um, and then he's speaking specifically speaks to Harry giving him one hour to surrender. That's what the armistice is for is you have one hour to surrender or I'm going to kill you and all of your friends. Um, And uh, because Harry is Harry, he, he, he doesn't. (laughs) He does. Well, he does, but well, he, I mean, he has to figure out why first though. Right. Like he doesn't like enough. I'm going to want to die. And I still don't believe if Harry didn't know any of the Horcrux stuff, it was just him standing there dying along with all of his classmates. Like I, I still don't think he would have done it. I think he would have. And even if he did, I think uh Voldemort would have killed anybody anyway. <laughs> Cause like if Harry's dead, he controls everything. He's not going to let his whole school load of people who stand against him survive. It'd be a giant fucking massacre. What? Like if, if he said, if Harry surrenders, everybody else survives. Oh, no, because he doesn't, he doesn't want the spilling of magical blood. He's just going to make them bend to his will after Harry dies and anybody who doesn't like it's, it's a sociopath's way of thinking. So um, he says, I don't want any of you to die. I want you to be protected. So, you know, 
so Harry, you know, as long as Harry's gone, you guys can serve under me and be fine. But anybody who doesn't serve under him, they're committing a completely separate transgression, and that's worthy of death also. Yeah, but he doesn't seem like a very forgiving type of guy. That's what I'm saying. He's not. Right. That's why I think, like, if Harry surrenders and the entire school's like, our bad, Tom, we didn't mean to stand against you, like. It's not, it's not, it's not a matter of forgiving. It's a matter of, like, he may not be a forgiving man, but he is a man of his word. And he's going, if he tells you, if you do this, you're going to live, then if you do this, you're going to live. But then if you try to stand against him again, or if you make any other sort of rebellion or anything like that, which Dumbledore's army and the um, Order of the Phoenix and all of them absolutely would, even with Harry dead, um, then that's a completely separate transgression, one that he didn't promise you life against, and then he's going to kill you. I still think he'd kill everybody. You're wrong. <laughs> I, I mean... I mean, he, he just randomly drops his the people that follow him for... V- fucking various trivialities it don't matter that's true but he is like he doesn't lie like he he's an an evil son of a bitch for sure but he doesn't lie he doesn't have a reason to because he thinks he's the most powerful wizard that ever was to live so what he tells you is true is gonna be true yeah I guess he never really had a reason to lie no Uh, but the I feel like the mixed blood people who were fighting it in Hogwarts were definitely fucked they weren't going to have. They were. They were going to be separate but equal. That that normally works out okay. Um, <laughs> history shows it never ends badly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's around this time during the um, the that armistice. Harry goes out and meets them, and Harry dies, um, because uh, the whole thing effectively boils down to he needs to kill Harry and he needs to be able to control the Elder Wand, but he never will because. Uh, Dumbledore was the holder of the Elder Wand. Um, and he thinks Snape killed Dumbledore. And when in reality, Snape killed Dumbledore with Malfoy's wand. No, mm. Malfoy killed him, right? So, okay, so here's here's the whole breakdown of this. Um, the whole legend of the Elder Wand is the one has to be Matt has to be you you have to be beaten for right. it to be, to be taken from you. It had to be disarmed or killed. Um, so dumb, the way that Dumbledore planned it out, because he already knew that he was dying. Right. Um, he, the second he put on the ring. Right. He, he had a debilitating illness that was going to kill him regardless. And he didn't want Malfoy to be the one to take him. He wanted it to be on his own terms right. and he didn't want to take Malfoy's innocence, blah, 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 blah. So, um, he planned it out with Snape so that Snape would be the one to kill him, which would mean that Snape would neither be disarming him against his will or killing him against his will. It would be a planned out thing, which would ultimately it, it words it better in the book. So I'm, I'm not doing this justice, but it would ultimately take away the magic of the elder wand. It would disarm the elder wand because D- Dumbledore planned out his Because he didn't death. lose. Right, right, exactly. He didn't lose. He planned it, so it was even a half dead Dumbledore be able to beat Snape's ass. <laughs> well, it, it just like that. That's exactly it, though. He didn't lose. You have to lose for the for the right. Elder Wand to be taken from you. But his plan is thwarted when Malfoy is the one that disarms him. Right, and that's when he kills Snape, thinking he needs to kill Snape to, to have the Elder Wand. And at that point, he thinks that he has it. And that's when he kills Harry. Harry goes through his uh, 
his Jesus phase where he dies. <laughs> and uh, that's what, and he survives uh, because he was given the resurrection stone, right? No. Um, he, so the, basically the only thing the resurrection stone gives is um, you get to see the people who have died and talk to them. So why does he come back to life? Um, he comes back to life because one, um, because Voldemort used his blood to resurrect himself. So he can't kill him. So he can't kill him. Um, he, it's like a, a video game. You don't really die. You just get KO'd. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so that that's Thanks kind a lot, of Final uh, Fantasy Seven. <laughs> that's kind of the magic behind it is that um, since since Harry has Voldemort knew that blood the whole time running through his veins. Um, I think I, it's noticed because uh, that part it says uh, Harry says I saw him with triumph in his eye. Yeah, and that's uh, because when he knew uh, it was at the uh, the goblet, goblet of fire, mm-hmm. when uh, he knew um, Voldemort was alive, uh, he knew he had to bring him back to life, life using. Harry's blood. Mm-hmm. So when he did, he knew that he could not kill Harry. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm, I'm sure there's some magic that we're missing here that, that went on there, but we'll I think that was, email yeah. Our magical scholars. <laughs> yeah, that was the gist of it, that Harry had Voldemort's blood yet. running through his veins. And so he couldn't kill him, fully kill him. Um, and then because Harry, because Harry died for the rest of the, the rest of Hogwarts pretty much because he died to save them. Um, then the pretty much his mother's original protection charm that, you know, that Voldemort wasn't able to kill Harry for so many years because his mother's love, um, protected him or whatever. Right. So since Voldemort killed Harry and Harry died to save Hogwarts, um, the same thing applied to a lot of the people fighting for Hogwarts. And, um, that's when he comes back. Um, and that was the, um, the great bamboozle of the battle of Hogwarts <laughs> when uh, I think it's Hagrid's that's, that's carrying him mm-hmm. and uh, Voldemort walks up to the gates of Hogwarts um, full of dead bodies and wounded kids and shit. It should be said that Narcissa uh, Malfoy, um, the mom, Draco's mother um, is the one that checks for death and she knows that Harry is alive, but doesn't say anything because Harry tells her that Malfoy is still alive. So so Voldemort's followers are not completely loyal. No, they're. I think that falls under the narrative of like how I said before, like it shows them as being not this competent legion of dark wizards, but like this snively gang of shitty evildoers right. that aren't good at what they do. Probably but, people who didn't really have a pack in high school. And so they just kind of found the ones that would take them in. It's, it is exactly so to, to force an allegory in here to modern day. Um, it is exactly like the um, the people who went and uh, protested at like Charlottesville and stuff like that. Um, together, they look like they're actually kind of terrifying, and they killed somebody. But then, like once you started punching them in the face, they ran away. <laughs> <laughs> like they didn't stand up and fight anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's like the, they're they're fucking nerds. Is they, what they well, are. they have these really strong beliefs until you test those beliefs, and then they. Right kind of back off and say, right. okay, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, so I guess in that, they're worse than Nazis because at least <laughs> Nazis fought. Um, and then like, uh, Hagrid carries the body up. Voldemort says, you know, Harry's dead, Harry Potter's dead. Um, and then that's when Neville comes up and says, like, we don't give a fuck. We're still going to fight anyway. Uh, because Neville's the real hero here, like I've said before. <laughs> and he said, he says that Harry died running, trying to run away. 
he doesn't he doesn't let them know that Harry sacrificed himself for them. Yeah, obviously. he stood up and took it. Yeah, and uh, Neville doesn't believe him for a second. Nobody believes him for a second. Uh, which, sure, I guess at that point you're in so far, and you've already been killing and dying that you might as well just throw caution to the wind and finish the shit. But uh, Neville has a pretty big, um, triumphant speech there, which I I did not quote because I am a crook and a fraud. <laughs> and uh, and I feel like if I quote enough Harry Potter here, SoundCloud will take this podcast down. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and that is when uh, it's it's then when uh, Neville pulls out the sword, right? Because he knows he needs to kill the snake. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when he leads a rousing sword wielding charge against a legion of dark wizards. <laughs> well, he's able to he's able to pull out the sword and kill the snake it's at the, the same time it's that it's sword, the sorting hat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's at the same time that there happens to be a distraction because Grop runs up um Hagrid's giant brother. Yeah. And that's um, when Harry kind of combat rolls out of Yeah, Hagrid's that's arms. when that's when Harry's able to uh throw the cloak over himself and disappear. So there's there's a lot of things going on right here where there's a little bit of a distraction and some chaos so that they're able to kind of um right get the upper hand again donkey moment because you have been spending the last almost two decades searching for this kid to kill you finally think you have him dead um one like check the pulse yeah two, check it for yourself right two like you're gonna have him with an eyesight i think that uh I think that Voldemort was actually scared. Like he, I mean, why would he have one of Harry's own dudes carry Harry's body? Oh yeah. Well, no, it was like a slap in the face. To, like it, sure, it, it was his, it was his form of, of torturing Hagrid. But like the to, second Hagrid is carrying him, Hagrid's like, he's still alive. No, he knew it. No, Hagrid was sobbing the whole time. He had no idea. Cause he's playing the long con. No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> his body wasn't even getting cold because he's alive. I mean, it wasn't long enough for him to get cold. That doesn't take that long. We don't need to argue about this. But, <laughs> no, Hagrid did not know Harry was alive, but Voldemort definitely should have checked for himself. But I think Voldemort was legitimately scared of Harry because of all the times that Harry, you know, did and then almost beat him. Well, Harry beat him as a toddler. I'd be afraid yeah. of him, too. It's like when that shitty old comic trope, strike me down now and I'll come back Three times stronger than I ever was. I mean, it was it was magic that he could never understand, so that he could never beat. So he'll never understand love. Well, and that's part of it. But yeah, because he has no nose. Nobody will love anybody without a nose. True. Yeah. So true. That's why I I still have not felt love. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have a nose. <laughs> um, uh, so that's when uh, Harry combat rolls out of there, and the fight's back on. Um, they chase down the snake and. Uh, Neville being here that he is kills it. And uh, this is actually admittedly kind of hilarious. So if you were to pick a name, I don't know if you know this, this battle has a name between the final battle between Harry and Voldemort. It is the battle of the seven potters. What? It is. It's legitimately called in, in the, the mythos. It is called the battle of the seven potters. How? That doesn't make any sense. I think it's because, um, so another argument that I have, here, which is admittedly explained away uh, with uh, the actual, you know, mechanical explanation. Um, so uh, now that he's alive again, they decide to square off and they fight in this like Dragon Ball Z esque attack on attack meeting here in the middle. And um, uh, 
Voldemort being who he is, he fires in a Vada Kedrava curse. And uh, because it's like the only one of four spells that Harry Potter ever learns, he fires an Expelliarmus spell. Um, because when you're trying to kill your enemy, you might as well disarm him. That does. That is one part of the entire series that does really bother me is that he continuously, there are many other more destructive curses. Like if you and watch the movies, them. yeah, if you watch the movies or if you read the books, like Reducto um, destroys things. Like when people aim their I don't their think it one, works on people though. I, I don't know. but Otherwise there, it would be used a lot more. <laughs> uh, he knows uh, Sictum Sempra. Well, yeah, but- which it, like legitimately gives people a bola and they just bleed out from the inside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There's so many curses that aren't unforgivable curses. And but he's already used the unforgivable curse. You might as well use it again. More destructive curses that he could have used than freaking Expelliarmus. Right. I just and, f- and the only reason why we we can kind of be like, OK, OK, I get it. Fuck you. But I get it is um, so the reason why this battle is going on is at this point, um, Voldemort knows that he cannot use the Elder Wand. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he takes Lucius's wand, which... No, he's he's using the Elder Wand at this point. Uh, not the Battle of Seven Potters. No, the Battle of Seven Potters, he's using Lucius's wand. I think you're looking at a different battle. Uh, no. So the Battle of Seven Potters, that is when he... Um, it's after he comes back to life and... Uh, I don't know why it's called this. Honestly, it's bothering the shit on me. It's also called the battle over little winging and the. F- no. Okay. So no, that that's, is this the battle that kills him? No, you're looking the battle over little winging and seven potters. That's the battle when he first leaves privet drive. No. Yeah. Because, um, little winging is, is where privet drive is located. So you're, you're on the wrong page or something. um, I don't understand why this is in my notes. I don't either. Um, I'm all fucked up. But I no, he, he, definitely, <laughs> he definitely has full. Um, he definitely thinks that he has full control over the Elder Wand during the final battle. Okay, so I apologize. My battles are out of order. This knows Voldemort's last stand. Which okay, that makes more sense. Makes significantly more sense. Um, <laughs> you know, and. That so you so he thinks he has the 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 elder one completely under control, and that's when he effectively, like I said, he's he the, he fires the the killing curse. Potter fires the really stupid um, disarming curse, and uh, they have like a Dragon Ball Z battle <laughs> uh, as everybody else is still fighting around them. Um, okay, so the one reason I could think of why. Um, Harry would use Expelliarmus over any other curse is because he did um, explain to Voldemort that he, so he kind of went through all of the disarming and everything in the, the pathway of the elder wand. And he said, um, so let's see if I'm the true, um, if you're the true owner of the elder wand or if I am pretty much. And so maybe his using Expelliarmus was just to try and see if his wand would be more, um, I guess, loyal to him or to Voldemort. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, also uh, another part I didn't notice uh, before was so when Harry sacrificed himself, um, like you said before, the same thing his mom did. Um, He gave the entire school sacrificial protection. So 
they were effectively immortal at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that would give you a little bit of a bonus going forward. And that explains, and they don't explain that part in the movie. They don't at all. So, no. I mean, that it makes a lot more sense of why, I mean, Neville's a brave motherfucker. Like the fact that he can jump through the air and attack snakes is impressive because his giant iron balls are weighing him down. But like, it's because he knew he wasn't going to die. No, no, no. I mean, they, they don't even know that Harry's even alive at this point. None of them know that this is the magic that's So they don't know place. that they have sacrificial protection. Oh, no, not okay. at all. So they're all still very well, brave fuck me then for fighting taking against away the, these dark well, wizards. Well, well, fuck me for taking away their sacrifice. Um, <laughs> oh, there's, I mean, it's still there. They just don't know it's there. So they're, they're very brave for standing up and, and fighting the way that they did, even though they had this protection. Yeah. And uh, so during that battle, that is when... Um, finally the was it like the souls start fighting back or something like that against Voldemort of all the people he's killed or some stuff like that or am I thinking of a different battle no I think you're I think you're thinking of the resurrection stone where I am where Harry brings back all of the people um so that he can so that he has the strength to go and basically die right and that's when he talks to all of his family members so tell Mm -hmm. me what happens in this final battle since I keep fucking it up (laughs) (laughs) Um, so basically in the final battle, uh, they kind of circle each other like wolves for a good couple of pages in the books. And this, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this is what happens in the movie too, is they circle around each other and Harry explains to them or explains to him, um, you're going to die and this is why pretty much. Um, so he explains. Let me explain to you why my plan will work, Mr. Bond. <laughs> exactly. He explains the um the path that the elder one took and why it doesn't actually belong to Voldemort and he says um and this is and this is why you know your magic will never work as strongly as mine will in Voldemort you don't have more magic than I do and oh you're talking about love Dumbledore's love that he's always talking about and everything and is obviously really skeptical and Harry's like well no well love is not known as a powerful military tool <laughs> not in a, not in Muggle world. That's true. <laughs> but in no, wizarding it, world, it might work in Muggle world if everybody just puts the rifle down, turn the lights off, and just feels around a bit. I mean, battles have been fought over love, not real ones. Huh. Uh, the world would be a much better place if everybody fought with love, <laughs> not with love for love. But if they fought with love, you, the only body armor you'd have to wear is a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> if you're responsible. No. So um so they're circling each other like wolves. Harry's explaining this whole scenario to him. He's um Voldemort is skeptical but slowly starting to come to the horrible realization that Harry might actually be right. And um so Harry explains to him that he is the owner of the Elder One and that because he sacrificed himself like his mother did that all of the people he sacrificed himself self for are protected and that Voldemort could never understand that because Voldemort never understood this powerful magic that everybody has that Voldemort doesn't cause he's a sociopath. And, um, and then Voldemort, Avada Kedavra is at the same time that Harry Expelliarmus is and they both come together. And in the movie, Voldemort breaks apart and floats away into a, Powder of magical dust. I fuck that is my that they sh- they fucked the ending up so bad. Yeah, it's so much better in the book. 
where he just drops fucking dead like a sack of shit like a person. Exactly. Because that's his whole thing is he hated being a human. Because Harry he hated being a muggle. Yeah. Harry in the book over and over the entire time he's doing this end monologue is calling him Riddle and Tom Riddle, his yeah. mor- his mortal name pretty much. And um, and then he kills Voldemort like a mortal. Yeah. And he just drops dead like he all the other dead, dead bodies. Like a dead human because he couldn't live forever because he is human. Yeah. And that is exactly the extreme opposite of what Voldemort ever wanted. All he wanted was to be immortal and all powerful. Well, and that's why all he changed that his name. I mean, mm-hmm. and he didn't even have a non wizardy name. His name is like Tom Movarallo. Marvolo. Whatever. That's like a fucking Marvel supervillain's name if I've ever heard it before. Well, he didn't want with Tom. Tom Riddle is his father's name and his right. father was a muggle. Marvolo is his grandfather's name and his grandfather was a wizard. So he he changed his name because he couldn't stand to have a muggle's name. He just go by his middle name. People do it all the time. Yeah, but Marvolo wasn't a prize either. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but Voldemort, that, that's a solid. <laughs> You know, I feel like if somebody could find a way to spell Voldemort with like L G Y N or something like that at the end, like <laughs> Ashlyn or Brooklyn, all other shit going around now, it'd be a lot more popular. Marvelin. Yeah, Marvolin. It's, it's gonna be my first child's name. It sounds like some kind of growth. <laughs> a vicious Marvolin. Uh, so you know, uh, with the uh, depending if you watch the movie, and he turns to dust and flutters away like fucking burning paper. Or drops dead like a sack of shit in the books. After that, uh, the Death Eaters don't fight; they just run. So yeah, no, no, <laughs> no chain of command no here. Other reason no. to <laughs> no chain of command here. It's like um, we're doing the um, the War of eighteen twelve right now in our in our normal series, and uh, there's a good uh, so there's a a battle that happens on the side called the Battle of Fishguard, where uh, an American uh, Irishman takes an army from the French revolution and invades England. Um, it's almost all forcefully conscripted prisoners and convicts and shit. And, uh, they all just run as soon as he's dead. So like, um, you know, you can't scare people into working for you and expect them to work after you're dead. Yeah, exactly. That's, (laughs) I mean, that's literally I mean, that that's Voldemort's fatal, um, mistake is that he, operated under like all of his followers followers operated under extreme fear. They were fearful that he was going to kill. I mean, the only reason they went no second back command. No. Oh, Bellatrix. Bellatrix would have fought well, to so, the death no matter what, fucking, but she was already dead. It's only because they're fucking spoiler alert. Only if you read the <laughs> cursed child, which I will not accept as a real thing. No, the cursed child sucks, but like, no, there's no other like chain of command uh, uh, over the other uh, Death Eaters. It was like, oh, you're a Death Eater. Come sit at our table. No, and I mean, I mean, some of them definitely believed in the whole pure blood. Sure. You know, all that. I mean, it's a Slytherin belief. It's not a Voldemort belief. It's a Slytherin belief that a Slytherin wizards extremist. should be pure of blood. Exactly. But um, but none of them had strong enough beliefs to actually carry this to a war. Right. They only carried it to a war because if they hadn't, Voldemort would have killed them and their families. Yeah, they uh, they were more about just making shitty snide remarks in the hallways of their school. Yeah, I mean, they were all cowards who, who yeah, they thought that, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're MAGA. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't think there's fear involved in the MAGA guy in the red hats though. Oh no, that's just idiocy. Yeah. But no, the two can, the, the fear breeds idiocy and idiocy breeds fear. Like uh, all, you know, if we build this wall, everything will be fine. You have nothing more to fear. 
if if you if you follow me and uh, kill all these school kids, um, <laughs> everything will be fine. I don't know in in my in my mind where I I don't I just can't comprehend the level of I don't know. In my mind, I have to think that these white supremacists who are all backwoods, uneducated, missing teeth, fat, and right. just disgusting fucking scum of the, the earth human people smegma. who somehow think that they're superior to another race. Right. Um, it has to be more fear than than anything else, well, right? <laughs> well, it's they like, have to be scared of something or well, else. We talked about a little bit in our first episode of the War of 1812 as I made a side-handed joke about the uh, white flight from Detroit. And is it wasn't that um, that they were afraid of? Well, they were afraid, but it, it, they weren't like disenfranchised. Like the, the literally, the only thing that happened is black people became their equals. Like there was no more separate but equal. All the Jim Crow laws were gone, and then once they could move in next door, all the white people packed up and left. And um, it was a, a fear of inequality. Like it was like, uh, you know, oh, they're going to rape our women and, you know, spread their seed and miscegenate with each other. And it's, I mean, racism is, is only driven by fear. That's the only thing it can be driven by because it's certainly not driven by fucking logic and reason. That's what I'd have to imagine because they can't actually think that they're superior to someone. I know somebody who does. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, it's always the people with like the most glaring personality or like psychology flaws it's like they legitimately think that they're better than other people there, there's no level-headed well-meaning person that thinks that they're better than somebody else based on the color of their skin and i think that's something that was taught uh that was touched on a little bit i think it was lyndon b johnson um that said all you have to do is make like the lowest white person think that they're better than the best black person and um we got to this from wizards. <laughs> um, I mean, it does have very real world connotations, though. I think I think J.K. Rowling did a really good job of incorporating stuff I think like that's that. That's what she was going for. Honestly, I can see a little bit of DJ Trump in, in Voldemort. So. <laughs> I, I feel like that's giving Trump too much credit because Voldemort at least graduated from a reputable school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and his kids seem a little less inbred. I just feel like they have a lot of the same mentalities. Yeah. Um, you know, and a I, lot of the same fatal mistakes. Well, Trump at least has a nose. <laughs> <laughs> it might be fake. Well, he hasn't died and split his soul into a thousand pieces yet. So we'll no, see. he has. And uh, every single Horcrux is actually just a failed business. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is our bonus episode um thank you for tuning in and listening to us rant about hogwarts and various other fucking random shit for the last hour and 18 minutes <laughs> um so uh you can fo- like as always you can follow me on twitter at uh, jcast 99 you can follow the podcast on twitter at lions underscore by um thank you very much for donating to patreon since this is going out to all of you um so spread it around maybe uh Anybody else would like to listen to it? You can expect more stuff like this. We're going to talk about more fictional universes and fictional battles and things like that going forward. Um, Nick is a huge Star Wars nerd, so expect that. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, so expect a insufferable amount of that. Um, I would say you can follow uh, our great Sergeant Richardson here somewhere on social media, but she is void of the Twitterverse because she is smarter than the rest of us. Um, that, just don't go to that hell site. Uh, <laughs> 
even though the vast majority of the people listening to our podcast found me through Twitter. And uh, thank you for buying my book and keeping a roof over my head. I don't uh, understand you tweeters. Yeah, I, uh, I don't understand us either. Um, so thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time.